1: Welcome to New Media Week on the MarTech Podcast. Today we're going to talk about the strategies, tactics, and technologies you need to think about when launching a media business. Joining us today is Colin Kinsella, who is an advisor to The Essentials Newsletters, which are a series of industry newsletters that use AI to identify the most influential thinkers on social media to find content that cuts through the noise and delivers the media that trusted thought leaders and experts are reading. So far this week, Colin and I have discussed his career as a marketing media maven. Yesterday, we talked about some of the changes in the media landscape that Colin has seen going from the pre-internet era to the rise of the digital age, social media, and where we are today. And today, we're going to talk about why Big Social is focused on building newsletters. All right, here's the third installment of New Media Week with Colin Kinsella from Essentials Newsletters. Colin, welcome back to the Martech Podcast.
2: Nice to be back, Ben. Thanks.
1: Happy hump day. We're halfway there. So far this week, we've talked about your experience going from the pre-digital era all the way up to today. And one of the big trends that's happening in media is that consumers are not reaching out and searching out media. They are requesting for the media to come to them. And this happens in a couple different ways. It used to be, I'd turn on the television and I'd just watch what was on. Then we had cable and streaming, and now I pick individual shows. And the same with news. I used to get the newspaper. Then I used to look on a website to look for what the newspaper was saying. Now I'm having them email me and I get to pick which channels. And also there's this whole rise of the creator space where I'm not necessarily just going to New York Times to get my news. I'm going to Brian Barletta for the Sounds Profitable newsletter, a very niche, very specific and also a creator. He's not a member of the media. He's just a guy with a computer. So talk to me about why newsletters are becoming a trend again.
2: Maybe in a couple of different reasons. One, if you're in a media agency, the newsletters are a way to insulate still your message from other potential bad messages. You know, brands don't want to be around other advertisers that might not be as brand safe as they would like.
1: I want to ask you a question about that. Why does that matter? If I'm Coke, why do I care if Pepsi has the ad right next to me? Why does that matter?
2: I think it's an emotional decision that maybe started 50 years ago and has never changed. And it makes no sense. But brands would feel like, well, if you give me a choice and I'm in a pod of five brands and I'm the one soda brand, I would like to only be the only soda brand in that pod. And then that became like, oh, that's reasonable. So that became the norm. And with social media, obviously, who cares? And I think on TV, I don't even know today if they follow that rule because they used to do it, say, in sports and certain pods, but they needed to make more money and they didn't have enough pods. And so they were like, you either have to pay us more money or you might be in a pod with a competitor.
1: I'm a media creator. And often we have brands who are our sponsors who say, we'll be your sponsor, but you can't let any of our competitors sponsor the show. And depending on who it is, sometimes I say yes and sometimes I say no. The thing that I don't understand is let me take two companies who are not our sponsors. If PayPal came to me and said they wanted to sponsor the podcast and they said, well, we don't want Square to be a sponsor of your podcast, do they think people are not going to know about Square? Do they think that Square is going to be irrelevant? Like Square will find a podcast that's similar to mine. And on the flip side, if Square is contributing to the growth of this podcast and then PayPal comes in and sponsors it, isn't PayPal benefiting from Square also supporting this community? I, I, I just don't quite understand everybody needing to have their ads separated out.
2: In part of fact, yes, they help build the community. But if given a choice, you would rather be the only brand in that particular case next to another brand. And when you put two brands together, somebody back at HQ is like, their ad's better than ours, or we should change our ad, or whatever. Those issues occur quite a bit as well.
1: I would think less about brand trust and safety and more about brand insecurity.
2: Yes, that's insecurity, but insecurity is real.
1: You can't throw it away. Okay, so with newsletters, with podcast advertising as well, you get this sort of sense of security where you can restrict some of the other potential advertisers in the media that you're buying or you're renting space on if you're an advertiser. So Colin, tell me why brands are so interested in newsletters.
2: Brands are incredibly interested in newsletters, number one, because they're growing. Number two, because they are seen as influential. Number three is because you can craft it in a way that you feel like nothing can influence it, that it's a real kind of piece of communication that can't be taken, can't be messed around with, can't be put in somewhere else where you don't want it. So I think there's a feeling of control when you are in a newsletter. Because it's in that newsletter, and it cannot be changed by anybody. And because it can't be changed by anybody, brands feel there's a safety there.
1: All right. So basically, you're not looking at a revolving door of media. For most of the point, when you're looking at social media, when I'm buying an ad on Facebook, the experience is constantly changing. The other brands that are are around me are constantly changing. The content is also constantly changing. You don't know what post your ad is going to be positioned next to. And some of the times brand gets sensitive about, you know, what neighborhood they live in. What's in it for the consumers? This is the most fascinating thing about newsletters to me. I, last time I checked, email is dead. No one's going to be using email anymore. We're all going to be communicating over DMs, tweets, and Facebook messages. And then the next thing you know, a couple of years later, we're all sitting here debating emails and newsletters again. What happened?
2: I think what's powerful is for a lot of clients, you use a lot of data trying to figure out targeting. So by going into, let's like say, if you're a healthcare, you don't. You can't be in certain places. You can't have an ad up for too much time. It has to come down to a certain amount. I think a lot of clients feel that you have a lot of control with newsletters and the opportunity to put ads in places where you want. If you don't like that there's another brand near you, you can complain and go into the next newsletter versus that one. And there's a lot of options, I think, for people who realize that newsletters work really well because people who prescribe to newsletters, they tend not to leave the newsletter. They like it. So it's a very good and powerful and rewarding media to be in.
1: Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. In 1919, John Wanamaker said, half the money I spend on advertising is wasted. I just don't know which half. then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi, who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X dot co. I think what's interesting to me is that we've gone through this phase, and we talked about this in our episode about the changes in the media landscape, We went through this phase where there was very few publishers, right? ABC, NBC, CBS, if we're talking about television. And all of a sudden now, when you think about, first off, we went from just the four major TV channels, a couple of newspapers, a couple of billboards, and a couple of radio stations. Now, how many newsletters are there about digital marketing? Thousands how many people are creators talking about health and beauty? Everybody on Instagram that is under the age of 35 is some sort of an Instagram beauty model, something or other. So the number of media creators and publishers has increased so much, and they're all pushing content towards you when you go to the feeds to look for media. So, to me, the rise of newsletters is essentially a reaction to the increase in the number of publishers. That when you find a publisher you like, when somebody's able to cut through the noise, when somebody's able to prove that they have credibility, you have the ability to filter out the rest of the noise and just hear from that one person and have them be your dedicated source without seeing all the competitive influencers in the same space. It's hard to go through Twitter and find who's reputable in social media marketing. Right. It's easy to sign up for the Social Media Examiner newsletter.
2: It's also easy for brands to feel like it's safer and that whatever newsletter they choose, it's a safer place to be than, say, the web. It's enclosed, if you will. And brands, they're trying to figure out how much data they can pull from the marketplace to understand where they could better target the market. And so brands are always trying to figure out how to get the best data and then leverage that data to reach their fans.
1: So we're in this exponential rise in the number of media members, and most of the time now we're calling these creators. I will raise my hand and saying that I am a member of this trend. Don't know if I'd say I'm a member of the media. I am definitely a creator. It is how I make my livelihood. I did not get a journalism degree to be able to do this. And so, since everyone has an opinion and everybody has the ability to push media to you, I think that the logical next step for consumers is I'm going to take the people that I have a deep integration with, I'm going to take the people that I have the most trust with, and I'm going to filter out all of the noise and receive their content directly. And that's what the rise of this newsletter. Now, the last question I have for you is we're seeing other brands. Big platforms, let's call it big social, Twitter, Facebook, I'll throw Substack in there. They're investing in these new media and newsletter platforms. Why are the big social platforms focused on newsletters?
2: I think probably just for what we have just talked about, that power that newsletters have, that once you create a community, that that community stays strong and you're able to keep marketing within that community. And to your earlier point of single people who are branching out and creating their own companies, you could imagine that you could start to build much bigger companies by putting two and, two and together, five together, seven together, 10 together, et cetera, and creating much broader companies.
1: So you're talking about the aggregation, and honestly, this is more like the network model where content creators start producing content together. And now we're not all independent creators. And look, we're a member of the HubSpot podcast network. We're joining up with other podcasters that are focusing on business podcasts and happy to do so. But when I think about what's happening there, that's more of a decision for an independent creator to group up with other people, to share resources, combine thoughts, build credibility with other brands. When I think about what's happening with like Facebook, Twitter, the rise of Substack, as well as a newsletter platform it seems like this is a little counterintuitive. If I'm Facebook, I want everybody to consume the media on Facebook. If I'm Twitter, I want them to all be following tweets. And yet they're investing in these platforms that essentially move away from social media It lets you build a relationship with the creator, but then it has a different delivery methodology. Don't you think that that is kind of counterintuitive for what the social media platform should be focused on?
2: Well, I think it's all about how do you open yourself up to what's new, what's possible, and you ride currents, if you will. Even with Fabio, when we look at why you need another newsletter, what the role of a newsletter might be to somebody. There's a lot of user challenges. There's too much information. There's filter bubbles. You know, people only have like four or five inputs coming in. So that's all they know. And they're not looking outside of themselves. You know, as well as I do, the kind of weaponization of social It can be a very aggressive action. People are coming after you or a group. Generally speaking, there's a lack of trust within the internet. Makes sense because there's so many different paths to follow. You can get lost into certain quagmires, et cetera. And there's some really rough environments. So I think for a lot of people, they're trying to get rid of that stuff. Like they want the web to be a different kind of place. They want to have more than one or two single sources but they don't want to have hundreds. They want to try to narrow it down to what they want, how they want it, when they want it. And with Fabio, what I thought was kind of interesting about them is they are going through this process of trying to be the orchestration of that. So where you have trusted sources coming in, you've got tons of topics that you get from kind of big data and AI, but The future of work, the future of Bitcoin, the future of money, the future of cars, the future of fuel, like really kind of interesting topics that aren't so heady that you've got to dig deep to understand them, but that make you feel like, okay, like I'm getting some really good information from this newsletter. And I think whether it's deep learning or however it all pans out, the net effect is people feel like, I really like this. I like getting this newsletter and it's sealed off. Like it can't be changed. And so I know that I'm getting what I wanted from the get-go.
1: I feel like that's the big trend. And uh, you know, I think that Fabio and the Essentials newsletters play a nice part in this in the sense of with a newsletter, you're able to craft how you want to receive information and it's easier for you to control the environment. I think that's why people are so protective of their inbox is that, for the most part, when it comes to working with brands, expressly agree to receive information. I will take your ads. I will take your newsletter. I will take your billboards. I will take all of your media. You can feed it to me. And when I'm done with it, I just click the unsubscribe button and I'm out and I don't have to. So there's more control there than you would get in sort of the wild, wild west of social media platforms where you're exposed to more content. And I think that the question becomes, well, then what's the right content to integrate in this newsletter? And that's the topic we're going to be talking about tomorrow. So that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks for listening to my conversation with Colin Kinsella, advisor to Essentials Newsletters. If you'd like to hear more of Colin and Essentials Newsletters' tips for surviving in the new media era, we're going to publish an episode every day this week. So hit the subscribe button in your podcast app and check back with us tomorrow morning when we talk about AI versus content creators when it comes to newsletter content production. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to get in touch with Colin, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact him on Twitter. His handle is Colin Kinsella, C-O-L-I-N-K-I-N-S-E-L-L-A. Or you could visit his company's website, which is essentials.news.